0: I get a lot of hate. I get a lot of flack. The life of a Christian is not being loved by the world. The life of a Christian, a true Christian, is persecution and suffering for the glory of the kingdom. Are wrapping up a beautiful weekend? Happy Sunday. God bless you all for those of you who are sitting in church. I hope you guys are getting fed the daily bread from God. And uh today, children of y'all, the topic is gonna be called Where There Is No Vision, and leading into this, um, I gotta say, for the past maybe three or four days. There have been a lot of significant attacks uh, on the body of Christ. You know, the spirit of division, the spirit of discord, the spirit of confusion, you know, the enemy has been running amok. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God is using uh, the devil to test us, to test our faith, to test to see how much are we going to sacrifice the flesh, in order to serve his holy purpose, amen? But before I get into today's topic, which is where there is no vision, I'm gonna say a quick prayer. Father God, in your mighty and holy name, I plead the blood of Jesus over myself, over this microphone, over all of my listeners, over all those who come into contact with me today. Give me the words I need to speak, Father God. Give me your spirit. Give us the daily bread. Give us the prophetic message. Give us the prophetic word. Allow us to come closer to you. Allow us to come closer to your will. Allow us to redeem the time and allow us to be better servants. Allow us to speak as you would have us speak, to hear as you would have us hear, and to do as you would have us do, and to see what you would have us see. Allow us to kill the carnal and submit to the spiritual today, Father God. Allow this message to be a start of that. In Jesus name, I pray. Let your will be done. Amen. Okay, guys. So where there is no vision, I'm reading from Proverbs 29, 18. The name of the word reads, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Father God, once again, in your mighty and holy name, let this message penetrate the minds, the hearts, and the souls of all who are within the sound of my voice. Fill us with your spirit today. Fill this temple. This temple is yours, Father God. Do as you will, and let your will be done through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, where there is no vision. Children, y'all, I can't uh, uh, stress enough how important it is to be led by men with a vision of the kingdom. And ladies, when I say men, I mean collectively. You know, the Bible always says men, men, men. And I want you ladies to understand something. Because you come from a man, everything you do is modeled after a man. So when I say man, that includes you as well. Okay. But I can't, stress how important enough it is to be led by men with a vision of God in the kingdom. You know, God gives us vision for one purpose to see his glory, to see his awesome, amazing Shekinah glory and to advance the kingdom here on earth. And anything he gives us a vision of is only the result thereof. I mean, children, y'all look at the Bible, the cover If you're holding a physical Bible, look at it. I would encourage you to take a look at it. The cover is the vision of God and everything within the Bible is the result thereof. But children, in order to access the vision, it takes faith because faith to believe in the most high God and the understanding that without believing him, that faith without it Nothing can move forward. John 15:5 Jesus says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing." And so, children, y'all, the ability to dream and envision is not for the faint of heart. And a lot of us, you know, we have dreams and visions that speak to us, but we also have a tendency of just writing them off, thinking that they mean nothing more than just silly images. You know, some of us, we dream night after night after night after night after night thinking, oh, it's just a dream. It was just in my mind. For the last three nights, for the last two or three nights, I've been having dreams and Coming from me, I don't dream all the time. I don't have dreams uh, on a consistent basis. But when God wants to speak to me, he speaks to me in a dream. Sometimes he speaks to me in a vision. Most of the time he speaks to me in a vision during the day, but rarely through a dream. It's always a revelation of me whenever I have a dream. And so, these images, children of you they serve a holy purpose, whether godly or demonic, especially if it's demonic. If you say, oh, oh, I had a dream oh, and, and, and it wasn't really of God. Listen, God is either going to use you or he's going to allow the enemy to use you or he allows the enemy to be used to reveal something to you that, hey, listen, maybe you better stop what you're doing. And not all the dreams are going to make sense. And that's why we can't look at the idea of vision, whether through a dream or a daytime vision. We can't look at the idea of a vision through carnal lenses. We have to look at it through the spiritual. We have to pray and we have to seek the Lord and we have to get into our word to find out what these dreams actually mean. You had a dream about a lion. What is the Bible? What does the Bible signif- uh, uh, define what a lion is spiritually? We all know what a lion is, but what does it mean spiritually when a lion is mentioned? You know, much of the time in the Bible, the lion is actually mentioned in a negative connotation. You know, when Daniel faced the lion, there's a verse, I believe in first Peter that says, be vigilant for the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I believe David fought the lion as well. So the lion is seen as an animal of of strength, of great might, of great power. Even Jesus is referred to the lion of Judah. So. And recently, I, I, I guess I'll talk about my dream. So I had a dream um, two nights ago. Um, I was in a house and, um, all of a sudden three lions came out of nowhere and broke into the house and everybody who was in the house, we all had to get out, but I chose to stay behind because I tried to get, um, my shotgun from the closet and I couldn't reach the shotgun. So I had to bail, but I didn't want to give up. So I went back in the closet and I tried to reach it before the lions could attack me. It was one male, two females. But I couldn't reach it and then at that point I woke up now I'm still inquiring of the Lord of what that vision what that dream means I haven't really gotten too deep into it I'm hoping at some point uh the Lord gives me revelation about it um typically I've been able to interpret most dreams but I think for me this is uh very much very much a challenge oh Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord, look at that. The Lord just gave me a revelation about my dream in John 15, 5. For without me, you can do nothing. Guys, I'm going to break it to you. I'm going to break it to you down like this. For me, the lion represented the power of God. And the shotgun represented my, uh, my, uh, 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 my flesh and how... I can't do much without God. John 55, like I said, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear as much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. And me trying to reach the gun was me trying to reach my fleshly abilities to try to answer for the strength of what God could do in my life. And so the Holy Spirit is telling me, listen, without my strength, you can do nothing. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for that revelation. And so going back into it, because I digressed a little bit, the ability to dream and envision is not for the faint of heart, children of y'all. See, a lot of us, we have visions and dreams that speak to us. But like I said, we have a tendency of just thinking that they're only dreams. What does number 12-6 say? Then he said what God said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision, I speak to him in a dream. And through these images, children of Yah, the Lord gives us messages of the future and of us. And they're either very symbolic of either the sin that is that resides within us, the breakthrough in us, or what is to come, good or bad. And through these images, children of Yah, we either have victory or we have defeat. But either way, we have victory. Why? Because the Bible says all things work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. And most of the time, children of y'all, the visions we get, like I said earlier, they're very, very cryptic. And yes, we do. We need help to either interpret them or break them down into understandable context. And sometimes, children y'all, well, most of the time, if you're not in the spirit, you're not really going to understand what these dreams and visions mean. If you're not in the spirit, all you're going to do is toss and turn every night. And then you're going to be tormented by the dreams without even really trying to understand that it's God trying to tell you something. And then when you get the vision, when you get the dream, when you understand the context of it, then the dreams stop coming because you've received the lesson into your mind and into your heart. Last night I had another dream. I had another dream that I was being carjacked. You know, I was a lift driver and I lifted uh, a boy and a girl. I got out to help the girl with her bags once we got to the destination. It was at an apartment complex on a hill. And um, the guy, as I helped the girl out with her bags, the guy stayed in the car. Then he got out of the car, got into the front seat of my car. And then he held up a gun. It was a nine millimeter Beretta. He held the gun and he said, he laughed and he said, step back. And then him, and then the girl ran back in the car and then they both just drove off and all my stuff was in the car. And then I got frustrated, and then I, I kind of had this per, perplexed look on my face like, like, what just happened? And that was the second night in the road that I had a dream. And the Spirit of the Lord told me regarding that dream, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Do not allow the charms of someone else, regardless of who it is, They could be seemingly the most anointed person that God has chose for a specific purpose, but their words may deceive you. My friend last night was telling me about 1 John 4, 1, which says, brethren, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And I got into this long dialogue about how to test the spirit and someone else. And one of the things I explained to her is, well, the way the best time to test the spirit is before you meet the person. There is a verse in second, John one, nine, 11, that says, I'm gonna read it. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. And children, yeah. The way you know if someone has the doctrine of Christ, the fact that it says do not. Receive him into your house nor greet him. That says that alone means you have to test the spirit before you even meet the person. I made a post on Facebook the other day saying that if you really want to test the spirit in someone, you have to look into their eyes and into their soul. Why? Because Jesus said, I believe in Matthew chapter 18, that the eyes are the windows to the soul. So you can look in someone's eyes and you have the ability to see the lightness, the light or the darkness, what is good and what is evil in this person. You can see. Their struggles, you can see uh, uh their victories, their pains, what they like, what they don't like. And children of yah, this is only possible when you have the Holy Spirit in you. The eyes are the windows to the soul, children of yah, and so we have to test, we have to test the spirits through the spirit. We can't test the spirit through the flesh. Yeah, we can ask questions, but like I told my friend, people lie. It's very, very easy to be deceived by someone with a false vision. It's very easy to be deceived by someone with a false prophet. And that was the real context of my dream was to be vigilant. Was to be vigilant and test the people who are around you. Not everyone who greets you with a smile and a friendly hello is of God. That's actually pretty deep when you think about that. Not everyone greets you. Who greets you has the doctrine of Christ. People say, I'm a good person. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. I never hurt nobody. Children, it's not about hurting anybody. It's about, do you have the doctrine of Christ? Do you have the vision of the king in the kingdom? And through that, children of Yah, the Lord uses the complexity of that vision and our visions in order to test the faith that we have in him and to draw us nearer and nearer to him. There's a verse in James chapter four that says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And vision is a way of doing that. For example, like when Pharaoh told Joseph that he had a dream and he didn't understand what was happening and he wanted Joseph to interpret, or when King Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel his dream and Daniel had to interpret, and both of those interpretations of those dreams and visions did lead to positive outcomes for both King Nebuchadnezzar and the Pharaoh. You know, Joseph ended up being the king of Egypt because of his prophetic gift, and he ended up saving Egypt for the same reason. Nebuchadnezzar, he ended up worshiping and serving the Lord and saving his people from famine and desolation. Why? Because he understood the context of the vision through the help of Daniel, and he was able to turn it around. He was able to see that forth in the fire. And the Lord knew he was going to be able to have the vision to see that forth in the fire because the Lord was calling Nebuchadnezzar for quite some time. But children of Yah, sometimes God tells us directly what we need to know in the form of a vision clear as day. You know, sometimes it'll come with a message of few words. It'll be something like go there or prepare yourself or just trust me or he'll give you a, reason, a, a vision or something of something or someone and maybe that something is something you're already familiar with maybe that someone is someone that you know maybe That vision of them is either a good vision or a bad vision. Maybe he gave you that vision to tell them, hey, listen, you might want to steer clear of this. You might want to steer clear of that. How did you know? I've actually been going through that for the last week, the last two weeks. How did you know I was going through that? The spirit of the Lord told me to tell you, be careful with that. Or the spirit of the Lord told me to tell you that good things are about to happen. You've been stuck for a while. You've been stuck for years. You've been crying yourself to sleep at night, but the Lord is getting ready to do some things in your life. Maybe their breakthrough is near, or maybe their demise is nigh. You got to inquire of the Lord and find out the interpretation and the context of that vision. If the Lord speaks to you in a vision, there's a pretty good chance that you have Something in your heart, in your mind that aligns with the Lord's will and the Lord is trying to get your attention and maybe the vision is in a form of a warning telling you or telling them to stay away from something or maybe it's a vision of the consequences of your actions or theirs, you know. But in any case, the vision, children, y'all, is how we receive the communication from God. And at any point, in any time, like I said, God is always watching the minds and hearts of many to see who lines up with his will and who's ready to do his will. And also who is ready for the next level of the calling. You know, many of my friends, they come to me with many, many visions that they have night after night after night. And when More people gather the visions, children of Yah, it only means one thing God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is doing something. The Holy Spirit sees the need to test the people to see if they're actually going to seek God through the vision, seek God's fullness through the vision, and take on the assignment and understand the assignment of their lives. And so God is getting ready to do something big, something huge. Some of you are going to catch this vision. But God is getting ready to move the people in a powerful way. He already is. But guys, get ready to test it. The Spirit is telling me this. Get ready to be tested. So, A lot of us, we're going to go through some things. I'm not talking about the great tribulation. I'm talking about the flesh because for the past three or four days, we've all been getting tested. We've all been getting tested through division. We've all been getting tested through discord. We've all been getting tested through confusion. Get ready. The Holy spirit is giving us a warning. And if we receive the warning, there's going to be something big on the other end of it that he has waiting for us. And so God is either going to show you himself or he will allow the devil to show you your wickedness as a way of getting you to come closer to him. Now, when it comes to the vision of man, you know, most people, when it comes to the vision of the flesh, the fleshly visions, most people use it to dream of money. And that's the way God designed it. To a certain extent, what exactly do I mean by that? Let's look at Deuteronomy 818 and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers at it as it is this day. And children of y'all, because of us being made in the image and likeness of God, we need to be able to have the vision to acquire his wealth for the kingdom, which is what it says. But what a lot of people like to do is they like to abuse it and they acquire the wealth for their own selfish desires. Oh, I want a car or oh, I want a mansion or oh, I want a pool or oh, I want a plane. I just want to be able to sit on bags and bags of money. And children of y'all, sometimes a vision without God's hand, actually most of the time, a vision without God's hand can be a curse and a headache. And a lot of people try to chase a dollar that God never intended for them to chase. Or what they do is they try to prosper in a system that belongs to the devil, the antichrist system, you know, selling your soul for fame and fortune. And the curse within that of being trapped by it and being controlled by it. And oftentimes Children of Yah, these celebrities, the people that the world looks up to, and some of you guys look up to, to be honest. These people who sell their souls are told that they cannot break their contract with the devil. Why? Otherwise, they will pay the price with their lives. And they were convinced that the Lord will never forgive them for selling their souls. And then they go crazy. That's why they get into the drugs. That's why they get into the weed. That's why they get into the alcohol. That's why they get into the crack, the cocaine, the heroin. That's why they get into all this stuff. And what happens? They wreck their lives. Why? Because they had a difficult time dealing with what they've done. Why do you think they make so many movies? Like the one example that pops up in my head is the Flintstones movie of the 90s, the live-action Flintstones movie. And Fred Flintstone, he ends up getting this big job and he inherits all this money, but quickly, you know, he's entrapped by his riches. His riches have caused him to lose some of the most important people to him. And then at the end of the movie, he was able to reverse what he did. But in the real world, it doesn't happen like that. If you sell your soul to the devil, you can't get out of it. The only way you can get out of it is if you plead the blood of Jesus and you're willing to pay the price with your life. You're willing to die for what you're saying. That's the only way you can get out of it, children of Yah. And that's what a false vision, a vision of money can lead to. You know, I'll give another example. You look at comedians like Kevin Hart, Mike Epps, and the like, you know, they're constantly joking and joking and joking wherever they go. Why? Because they know what they've done. They know the choice they've made. And they never want to face the seriousness of that choice. And that's why they got to keep moving and keeping on the road, keep constantly doing shows, doing acts, doing movies. You know, they got to keep being on Saturday Night Live And that's also the reason, children of y'all, why you never see a celebrity stay in one place or in one home. They're constantly on the go. Why? Because of their trappings of their vision of fame and fortune and the demons that come with it and hide behind that vision. The golden carrot. The devil. I was in Hillsong Church years ago. And the only thing that the crowd cared about was being on that stage. And I'm calling it a stage because I personally believe that Hillstone Church is not a church. They mislead the people on a regular basis. I've been to a number of their services to know. People say, "Well, what do? You, what were you going to those services for?" If 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 uh, if they're being deceptive, I was actually dating a girl at the time, and I was more or less trying to find out what she was doing in her life, trying to get to know her more. And she invited me to a couple of services of Hillsong. And then I went and I explained to her, I'm like, listen, this isn't a real church. This is not a real church. We never opened our Bible one time. And then we looked at Pastor Carl Lentz, who was the pastor at the time. Why is he taking pictures of all these worldly people? Why is he taking pictures of all these people who don't even serve God. I mean, you got to see, he was, ta- he was taking pictures with with um, Snoop Dogg, with Oprah. And Oprah, she believes into that New Age stuff. You know, Oprah is a Freemason. She does not believe in the gospel of the kingdom whatsoever. And there's a verse in Luke 6, 26 that says, Jesus says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And children of God, you got to understand something. You got to analyze, if you take a person that both Christians and the world like, and I'm going to get into one particular notable example later on, but you got to look at a person who is well-loved by Christians and worldly people. You got to stop to ask yourself, wait, 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 something is wrong with this picture. How can you be a Christian and be popular with the world? You know, some of the stuff that I say, and I back it up with biblical references, you know, I get, I get a lot of hate. I get a lot of flack. The life of a Christian is not being loved by the world. The life of a Christian, a true Christian, is persecution and suffering for the glory of the kingdom. And children of y'all, a lot of these celebrities, these so-called celebrities, are deathly afraid of the demons that manifested through these fake visions. And as a result of their own selfish vision, they're entrapped. But through that wealth, it attracts a lot of other people who desire to build the kingdom of God. And they use their share of that wealth to build the kingdom themselves. For example, the CEOs of Walmart, the Walton family, you know, we all know they may not be Christian. You know, most of these multi-billion-dollar conglomerates are not Christian. You know, they say they believe in God, but what God do they believe in? Do they believe in the God of Baal? Do they believe in their God, the Baphomet? Do they do they believe in Satan? Do they believe it what God do they believe in? For all we know, their God may be money. In all likelihood, it is. The love of money is the root of all evil, children of y'all. But I digress. But the Walton family... You know, they may not be Christian, but they might have an employee named, an honest working, hardworking employee named, I'm just going to say Isabella, whom they hired. And, you know, and Isabella, she may go to church on Sundays and use her portion of a check for the work of the kingdom. And so. Most of the time, you know, God works behind the scenes. And that's why a lot of these companies uh, are established. It's because it's God's will. Like the CEOs themselves, they may be inherently evil. They may not serve the Lord, but they have some employees that do. All of us at one point have worked for a company that makes a billion dollars. And we go to church on Sundays and the money we make from them feeds the kingdom we got to look at it from an outside perspective, children of y'all. First John, I mean, not first John, John chapter one, verses one through three says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Children of y'all, God works in ways, he always works in ways we don't understand. And you know, sometimes that thing that you thought that wasn't going to work out, all of a sudden out of nowhere shows signs of life. Why? Because of the vision that God breathed into it, the breath that God breathed into it. So never think that just because the owner of your company doesn't worship the Lord and he might be selfish, that God can't use them for his glory. The way it works is God either uses you or he allows Satan to use you. And when he allows Satan to use you, for his folly and his kingdom. It works for the good of all of those who are in the kingdom. Why? Because we see what a bad example looks like. We see what a misled soul looks like. We see what it leads to. The brokenness, the pain, the torment, the suffering, the spiritual death. A person who's been given to the devil, how many people understand that it's a place of no hope? we see them struggle and the answer that might be obvious to us may not be obvious to them but for some reason it seems like an insurmountable climb it's a mountain that they can't move but jesus said all you need is faith of a mustard seed and you can move mountains you can move that mountain but for them the trick is how to get them to actually believe that all of us who struggle with depression sadness Loneliness, all these demons that God never gave us. And people say, when they pray at night, God, give me the strength. Give me, give me the strength to, to, to get out as God already gave it to you. Second Timothy one, seven says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. God won't remove what he didn't give you. But because of what he did give you, he says, no, you move it. You move that mountain. This is the vision I gave you. I gave you a priesthood that you can use your words to destroy the mountains in front of you. And so don't think, that God can't use a demonic person for his glory regardless of what the situation is. Whether we see it as an example of not to follow or whether they are used. That part of their story is used as a testimony for them to overcome. Every single one of us have a story of triumph and overcoming. And as long as we're in the flesh, children of y'all, that story is not over another thing a government that passes legislation after legislation in an effort to abolish the Lord anywhere and everywhere you know let's look at that ironically God's name is still on the money if you live in America that is I don't know how it is in other countries but in America we still have the in God we trust all over the money so God will put his name on the money even as the government will tell you no 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 we're not we're not gonna we're gonna get rid of it his name is still on the money the money is still out there. The vision of God is still very present. I know the country is falling apart left and right, but the vision of God is still here. I read a a comment somewhere. Someone said, oh, God wasn't strong enough to overcome all that is in the world. I thought that was the silliest comment I've ever heard. That was the silliest thing I've ever heard. God's not strong enough. So a God who made the world, a God who made time, a God who made space, a God who made life, a God who made everything out of nothing doesn't have the power to end this at the drop of a dime. he can end this with a simple breath, a simple word and it's done. but everything that's going on is biblical and it's prophetic. And children of God, you got to understand this. I'm digressing, but a lot of you got to understand this. You can't pray your way out of this. We are the end time church. God chose you to be in this generation for a reason. And you have a mission. And as my pastor said yesterday, you have to understand what your assignment is. You have to have the vision to see what God has made you to do. But I digress. A nation that works on idolatry and witchcraft, on the other hand, you know, they still have the hand of God working in the remnant of his people. For example, like Josiah, people say, well, I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, people aren't going to listen to me. Let me let me tell you guys something. In the book of Chronicles, I forgot where it's first and second Chronicles, Josiah at the age of eight recognized his vision that the nation of Israel was falling apart. But God still had the vision of choosing him and using him to right the ship. And because of that, God was given was giving grace upon Josiah. Because he destroyed the idols. He destroyed the images that his father and his grandfather worshipped before him. Now, they got it right later on down the road, but he realized and recognized at a very early age. No, this is enough. This is enough. Like Peter was given the keys to heaven because of the vision that God gave him for the kingdom. And Peter used his fervent aggressiveness of that vision to push the kingdom to what it is today. He was one of the few. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Jesus says. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, Let us make, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. Over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Children of Yah, if God had the vision to create man, then He wanted man to have the vision to also create and control all that is around Him. Children of Yah, that is the meaning of a priesthood. A priest. Whatever vision is given to you by God, understand you have the power to push it out into the world. And children of y'all, that is the essence of advancing the kingdom. And that is the essence of knowing what it means to be a priest for God. It's not just standing in a church and fulfilling the duties of, of that particular house of worship. No, 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 no. We were put on this earth to help take back the kingdom here on earth. That is the true vision of God, children of y'all. And it wasn't just God, but rather the, the son and the Holy Spirit along with him. Notice that it said in that verse, Genesis 126, let us make man in our image. There's a verse, I believe in Matthew. Jesus tells one of the Jews, when the Jews asked him about Abraham, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is very much in the book of Genesis. Long before Abraham was here. And so, children of Yah, our bodies were literally built for the Holy Spirit to inhabit. And we waste our our, our precious temples, defiling them with the devil's food. Now, Am I talking about the pork? Am I talking about all that? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that we engage in, the things that are not of God, what the Bible calls eating things sacrificed to idols, the partying, the drinking, the smoking, the selfishness, basically fulfilling all of the ways of the flesh, the sexual immorality, And oftentimes, it's these things that we set our vision on. You know, we think the good life is party, 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 money, money, money. Nothing but prospering in an antichrist system. The system that we've been eating since we've been born, children of y'all. The system that deceives us into thinking that even though we might have the money and the lifestyle, if we don't have God, we still lose. And children of Yah, that is very much addressed in the early chapters of the book of Revelation. The Laodicean church struggled with that same exact thing. Jesus, the Holy Spirit through Jesus told the Laodicean church, although you, have, you say, I have money, I'm rich, I lack nothing. You're still poor and you're still dead in your transgressions because you don't have the God who created the money. And the world has been designed for a very long time to keep you as far away from God as possible. And that is the great curse. And that is also the great test. God allowed it to be so. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Do you have the faith, as Hebrews says, to believe in something unseen? Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And then verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And so the word has been designed to keep you as far away from God as possible. And that's why a lot of the idols today through music, movies, uh, uh, TV, and mainstream media... Do not mention anything even remotely close to God. You know, their vision is one that purposely seeks to destroy you, your priesthood, and your future. Take New York, for example. You know, having lived in the in the New York City area all my life, you know, New York is one of the many, many places where the focus is on living to work on, rather than working to live. The money attracts many. The money attracts many. But see, the thing is, once they get here, they discover that it's miserable. Why? Because the system has deceived them into thinking, into uh, chasing something God might have never intended for them to chase. And in the process of chasing the money, they end up losing their time, losing their life choices, killing themselves trying to make it, and they're bummed out because of it. And that causes a lot, That's that causes a huge buildup of fear in the minds of many, many people. Because in the process of trying to chase the money, it's never enough. The more your focus is on money, the less it seems you have uh, less of it. 99% of the people living in New York City, you know, all, be, all of them live below what they thought they were going to obtain living in NYC. The 1% that typically do, you know, financially fantastic in New York City, some of them make billions in an afternoon. And that's the golden carrot that the devil likes to throw at the masses. That you'll make money, money, money. That's what they tell people. In other countries about America, the money's on the floor. There's money all over the streets. The streets are paved with gold. America's the land of opportunity. They dangle the golden carrot. Children of you that's another way of having you lose your priesthood. And they tried to teach us to the best of their ability that there was no God and that the greatest God you can have in your life is the money God to worship the money and only have a vision of money, money, money. 1 Timothy 6.10, like I said earlier, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil or a root of all kinds of evil for which some has strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And sometimes, children, the vision that you come up with yourself is not the vision that you want. And the whole purpose of having vision is so God can drive us to do his will. A vision without God is a complete nightmare, children of you Even some of the most coveted icons of America have deceived many, many people. Oh, really? Like who, Shaq? Well, let's look at Martin Luther King, for example. And now I bring up the, the example of Martin Luther King as an example of how I don't want you guys to misunderstand me. I bring this example as an example of how a false vision or a deceptive vision can mislead and have everlasting consequences. Let's look at Jeremiah 23. I'm gonna read verses 25 to 27. I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart who tried to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. For those of you who don't know, Baal is a false god, a false idol, just another idol that the people don't worship, The people worship over God. And now I'm going to, let's compare that verse with the I Have a Dream speech. I'm going to play a small clip for you guys. And here it is.
1: I have a dream. My poor little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream to
0: Now, children of y'all, in what contrast does the Bible say regarding the unity of the future in their time? You know, was it that there will be love and unity between the blacks and the whites as well as peace? Matthew 24, uh, verse 10 through 13, Jesus says, He's talking about the signs of the end times. And then, when he will be offended, we'll betray one another, we'll hate one another. And then, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Children of Yah, this I have a dream speech is played so many times throughout the times. It's been played for over 50 years, and they continue. To deceive people with visions of unity and peace, where Jesus clearly speaks of a vision where the world is going to fall apart. And while children of Yah, there's definitely more diversity between races today, the falsehood in Martin Luther King's dream speech is that the world will be a better place. And how many of us see that the world is getting worse and worse and worse as we come closer to the end times? You know, Martin Luther King, he was a person who was loved by many for his vision of civil rights. But one of the things the world loved about him was one of the worst things a true Christian would hate about him. But one of the things the world loved about him was that he took the scriptures and twisted them to fit a deceptive narrative, to mislead the people. Like I said in Luke 6, 26, Jesus said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Why? Because he was Martin Luther King was recruited by a certain group of demonic people to mislead the masses into accepting the vision. And what exactly was that vision? It was a vision of what the American people wanted to believe of unity. But what it really was, was a loss of opportunity for many, many people, because although segregation became illegal through law, What they don't teach in the American schools is that a lot of blacks lost their own economic systems and they were forced to adopt a system-wide racism through corporations and government. To which he confessed himself that he made a mistake. And I'm going to play another clip for you guys uh, of him explaining that. I broke it up into two clips, but here it is.
1: I must confess that uh, that dream that I had that day has, at many points, turned into a nightmare. Now, I'm not one to lose hope. I keep on hoping. Uh, I still have faith in the future. But I've had to analyze many things over the last few years, and I would say over the last few months, I've gone through a lot of soul suching and agonizing moments. And I've come to see that uh, we have uh, many more difficult days ahead. And some of the old optimism was a little superficial. And now it must be tempered with a solid realism. And I think the realistic fact is that we still have a long, long way to go.
0: Jumping ahead in that particular interview that he did with NBC,
1: I think the biggest problem now is that we got our gains over the last 12 years at bargain rates, so to speak. It didn't cost the nation anything. In fact, it helped the economic side of the nation to integrate lunch counters and public accommodations. It didn't cost the nation anything uh, to get uh, the right to vote established. Now we are confronting issues... That cannot be solved without costing the nation billions of dollars. Now, I think this is where we're getting our greatest resistance. They may put it on many other things, but we can't get rid of slums and poverty without it costing the nation something. I...
0: Children and y'all, you know, that's why a lot of Christians and non-believers they love him. Because of the vision that they say he wanted to lead the people with and children of y'all, we need to be very careful with whom we have leading us in the last few years of Martin Luther King's life, the public, especially the African American community, they hated him. They hated what he did because we literally jumped from one side of problems to another. Why? Because of a false vision a false vision. And like I said, we need to be careful with whom we have leading us. This is why Jesus tells us in John 14, six, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. There's a reason why he says those three things. I am the way I am the truth. And I am the life. Jesus tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Jesus is the life Through the grace of the Father, Jesus paid the price for our sins, and Jesus is the way. Not Martin Luther King, not Donald Trump, not any other false idol or celebrity that you guys love. Jesus said, I am the way. There's a reason why Jesus tells us to only Focus on him. And there's a reason why God tells us not to worship no one else before him. It's two out of the 10 commandments that he spoke in Exodus. Exodus 23 to 6. You shall have no other gods before me, the Lord says. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments now I just want to say one quick uh thing for context you know obviously this is before Jesus came in the flesh of man and so when the Lord says, you know, of likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, you know, no idols were to be built. And children of y'all, how we have so many statues of this particular man as well as others. You know, we have statues of Martin Luther. There's a statue of Martin Luther King in D.C. I'm pretty sure there's a statue of him in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, and it's not just him, it's other people too, other people whom the world wants us to believe are some of the most coveted people, and we've been misled through Jesus. None of these men, they led, they led you to Jesus. I don't recall Martin Luther King, even though he was a Baptist preacher, you know, I've actually heard rumors that, you know, he doesn't. he never believed the truth of the Bible. He never believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And back in the day, I used to listen to all his speeches. I had all of his speeches downloaded. Some of them were an hour long. I believe there were about six or seven of his sermons. He mentions Jesus very seldomly. Very seldomly. You know, he he reads, he doesn't read from the Bible whatsoever. He doesn't. He stole a couple of verses like that Amos, I believe it was Amos, uh, what was it? Three, four, something like that. And there's I Have a Dream speech where he says, let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. I mean, yeah, he stole some stuff. But children, y'all, believe it or not. This man, he never led no one to Jesus whatsoever. It was a false vision. And like I said, we have to be careful with whom we follow. Some of you are saying like, OK, but what does this have to do with anything, Shaq? Whomever we are led by false, whenever we are led by false prophets, their visions cause us a great deal of pain, torment, and suffering. We can follow people thinking that their ideals are the right ideals, but in the end, it all leads to a deception. And children of Ya, is where the world is headed. The world is headed for a great deception. A lot of people put their faith in, uh in Donald Trump a lot of people put their faith in the government and the politics that yeah the country's going to return back to normal even Christians believe this but if you look at what is happening and what the bible actually says it doesn't add up it doesn't add up we are seeing the book of revelation unfold right before our very eyes and there are some christians some christians who who refuse to believe that we are Not in the end times. I met someone, they said, nah, I want to have fun. I want to party. You know, I, I, I I want my life. I just want happiness. The true happiness comes when you endure through the suffering. The greatest saints that ever lived on this earth were those who were exposed to a tremendous amount of hurt. All of the apostles, with the exception of one, had to die. One or two had to die for the gospel. Right now we're in a time of peace, but the devil is attacking us through the minds. And children of you we need to be stronger. We need to be better and we need to be more unified. 1 Corinthians 10 says, see that there are no divisions among you and that we're all of the same mind and the same judgment. And the worst thing we can do, children of Yah, is make a decision to be led by worldly desires and to ignore the voice of God for all of what we see. And the best thing we can do is put God before everything in front of us, including ourselves. And you may be one of those people, you may not know where exactly to go, but when you have God, you don't need to. And I'm going to close out with this verse. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Children of Yah, whatever wherever you are in your life, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, acknowledge God in all your ways and everything that you do, and the Lord will direct you to a proper vision. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind to what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Renew your minds, children of Yah. Transform them. Transform your visions and conform them to God. Transform your dreams and conform them to God. Your interpretations of those dreams. Let go of the people who don't follow you or lead you to Jesus. This is what I encourage and this is my message. Guys, I love you all. Go sow in Jesus' name. Go grow in Jesus' name. You can follow me on Instagram, Yahweh Rise. You can also email me at YahwehRise at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook. You can type in Yahweh Rise Podcast. My name is Shaquan Woody. I love you all. Go sow in Jesus' name. Go grow in Jesus' name. God bless you all. And have pray great weekend. Thank you.